0: Well, we are facing a new year. It's right around the corner. And I think within us, there's this desire to be a better leader or a strong leader. And I remember, you know, just as a person, you know, it's all these books about growing as a leader. And I read a story this week about a girl who's getting ready to go to college. And she was very conscientious. And as she filled out her... uh, form for college it it said are you a leader and she wanted to be honest she didn't think of herself as a leader so she said no and she, you know she sent in her paperwork her application and to her surprise she got a letter back saying that she was accepted and here's what the letter said dear applicant a study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,000 452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. As we start this new year, may we understand that part of being a real leader is following. Following our Lord and being a servant. You know, Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to serve. I mean, did not come to be served, but to serve. Remember the Story of the tax collector and the and the Pharisee. One was humbled, who thought he was, you know, great, and the other, who was broken, was the one God received. And at the end of that parable, Jesus says, "Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted." Now, I say all this. We're in Romans six as we continue our study, and this is about following Jesus. And here's the irony of this section of Scripture, church. It says that we're all slaves. That we're all in bondage. That we're, we're all enslaved. The question is, enslaved to who? So turn me to Romans chapter 6. And our Scripture reading is going to be 15 to 23. And I'm going to ask you to stand when you find our Scripture, if you are able What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Master. And how fitting that term is. For there is a master. Lord Jesus may you be master of my life. And of your people here today. As we look at the power you give us to say yes to you. And no to sin. That we don't have to be slaves to sin. That's what the gospel's all about, and I pray as we are thinking about two thousand and fourteen that through your power that resurrection power, you will enable us to be slaves to Christ instead of to all the other stuff Lord we trust you and look to you I just pray you speak to our hearts through your word in your name we pray amen. amen. The question is not, uh, am I a slave? The question is, whose slave am I? It was said that uh, one preacher, as he was speaking in Los Angeles, California, he spoke at J. Vernon McGee's church, and afterward he thought, well, I'm going to take some time to walk down through downtown Los Angeles and, you know, just people watch. You know, that can be a real entertainment value. And as he was walking down one of the busy streets in Los Angeles, he saw this guy coming toward him wearing a, one of those sandwich boards. And on the sandwich board, um, it said, I am a slave for Jesus Christ on the front of it. And this guy had stringy long hair and, and you know, he had, he had a beard and, and he had penetrating eyes. And as the preacher walked by, he kept his gaze on him, watching him. Well, you know, he, he thought, what does the back of that sandwich sign say? So he couldn't help it, so he turned around to see what the back of it said, and the back of the sign said, "Whose slave are you? And see, that's the question. Where am I enslaved? Where is the passions of my heart? <laughs> what, what, what is it that that I live for? You know for some people um it's stuff you know, and so often this time of year people pile in the gifts as they they pull in their list and people go into debt and there's a lot of money and 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 there's joy in that but but there's more than just being tied to the stuff I own the stuff that sits in my garage or or in my basement or or in my house um there's other people that are are people pleasers <laughs> you know that they're tied to the affirmation or lack of affirmation they receive from other people. And, and that's what motivates them. And then there are those people who are workaholics. Uh, you know, they live to work. They just can't stop working. That, you know, It's their continual passion. But probably the saddest of all are those who are simply slaves to themselves. Habits to greed, to anger, to worry. Where there's this controlling factor that that breaks them. The cross is more than just a piece of jewelry. The cross is more than just a symbol. The cross is a turning point to live. I'm not talking about to exist. I mean to live. To have life that's meaningful and life that's full and that matters. Jesus provides an empowerment by His Holy Spirit. Look at uh, here in Romans 6. And as we look at our text in verse 15, He as he's talking about grace, and he, he 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 believes there's some people that are going to come back and say, "Man, if you talk about just grace, just you know, just God loves you no matter what, you're going to have people out there that are going to take advantage of that, and they're going to be sinning, and you know, they're going to be it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission kind of mentality, you know, and whew, I'm going to go for that sin, yeah." You know? He 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 anticipates that, and he says. Uh, Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And and then he, he says, by no means. He says, man, think about what Jesus did for you. The price that He paid and the love that God has for you. And it's not something to be taken superficially. It's a matter of the heart. Once He changes you on the inside, once you realize He sets you free, then there's a power not to live under that bondage, under that regret, under that stress, under that pressure that leaves God out. Listen to Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God... That brings salvation. Has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. To ungodliness. And worldly passions. And to live self-controlled. Upright and godly lives. In this present age. You see here's the deal guys. Before Christ. We were not able. To be in control. The temptation would control us, and and and, and the sin had a, had a ruling power. That, that's what the scripture says. But because of the power of Christ, when He enters our lives and He transforms us, He said, "If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come." What that means is now there is a power to say yes to God and no to the controlling power of sin. That's what this section of Romans six is about in its power. Before we were not able to say no. Now in His power we are. Look here in verse 13. Going back a couple of verses. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. You see, there is a choice here now. He's saying don't make that choice to pursue the sinful nature, to pursue that part of you that's against God. But rather, here's the contrast, rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And to offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. My hands, uh, my feet, my mouth, uh, every part of me, my, my will, all my body is is God's. Man, it makes you think, doesn't it, clearly Romans 12 verse 1, you know, we get further down there, where he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. He goes on. He says this is your spiritual act of worship. That's what worship is about. To offer yourself to Him. I mean offer all of you to Him. (laughs) And then he says do not be conformed. To the pattern of this world. But be transformed. Be changed. How about by your thinking. Um, By the the transformational power. God. Of God's word in your heart, it says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and His perfect will. That's that's what He expounds upon here in verses 16 through the end of the chapter. Look at verse 16. He says, "Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey." Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, there are the two slaves. And it's according to who you obey. You are a slave to sin. And see where that goes? It goes to death. Or to obedience. To saying yes to God's promptings and to his commands and to his heart. And that leads to To righteousness. It's interesting. In a study of slavery. You know what first comes to your mind. In Roman times. That people were either born. A slave. Or as. um, The Romans conquered other peoples. And other nations. Those people would be made slaves. But there were also those people. Who were so impoverished. And they were so desperate. That they would voluntarily. Agree. To become a slave in exchange for security, for shelter, and for food. For that sense of security, people would give up their freedom and commit to be slaves. There was a self-surrender. That's really what he's talking about here. Not just from that cultural perspective of the Romans, but from the perspective of people to make a self-surrender to God and say, God, I'm willing to be yours in exchange for life. And the irony of it is that it's not a grudgery that he gives. You know, the Word says in First John 5, 3, his commands are not burdensome. <laughs> but we find out that in that, there's a freedom that he gives, that he provides. But there's also despair if the other choice is made a more of a death-like existence. But as Paul thinks about this, and he thinks about those who are willing to say yes to God, to grab hold of that resurrection power that's available where grace enters in, and and no longer slaves to the sinful part of our lives. He breaks into praise. Look there at verse 17. But thanks be to God. Time to have a worship service, Paul. (laughs) As he just worships openly to God. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Paul said, as I look at you, you're not who you used to be. And you're becoming more than you are now. I see Jesus in you. And he's transforming your lives. And man, i got to have a worship service. i got to praise God. Because it encourages my faith. And it stimulates my heart. And it gives me hope to see Him working in you. That's Paul's praise and worship. And he says to him, verse 18, You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. He says, as I've watched you, it's such a thing of beauty. Man, you've changed. You have changed. I've watched God take control of you. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the cold control of righteousness. You you didn't know what this was like. I've seen God change, you guys. And, and notice here in verse 21, the power of, of uh, what is said here. He says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result... In death. Verse 19. He, he, he talks about that battle. He says I'm going to put this in human terms. Something you guys can grasp. <laughs> because you're weak. Aren't we weak? We need a savior. We're so weak. Just as you used to. This is what you used to do. Offer the parts of your body. In slavery. To impurity. And, and to ever increasing wicked, wickedness. Man what he's talking about here, this ever-increasing wickedness, is, is you are a slave to the cravings of the sinful nature. You're looking for something to satisfy you. And you're turning to, to the flesh or the sinful nature to try to get that high or, or to try to get that thrill that you think is going to fulfill you. Listen to a Proverbs 5, 21 and 22, that, which is a verse that talks about this. For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord... And he examines all his paths. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. So what he's talking about here is that following a type of life. Where there are evil deeds. Deeds that God says don't do this. Why? Because he's a mean God. No, because he knows that that which is outside of his best is going to hurt you. And he says, the evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. What happens? They trap you and the cords of his sin hold him fast. Then you can't get loose. He said, don't let that be you. As he, as he shares this freedom that's available. I thought of a couple of examples. Um, you guys know I like basketball. I'm a basketball nut. But, uh, I used to love to play when I was a teenager and bunch of us would get together and play whenever we had a chance and there was this one friend of mine a black guy sammy lee cypress and he was my buddy matter of fact i i never forget in high school i kept trying to witness to sammy lee kept trying to get him to come to church and he came to church and of course we hadn't all we didn't have any black people in our church so poor sammy lee you know he comes in the church and looks around you know, I know if i belong here you know scared to death but he came in and he went with me and then afterward we'd we'd play ball together and we'd talk and everything. And I'd try to talk to him about the Lord and Samuel Lee just wasn't ready. And you know, I tried that real spiritual thing of I'm gonna argue you into the kingdom of God. Boy, that worked like no, it didn't work. It just made him mad at me. And you know how time goes and you drift apart and uh it's been a while back now. <laughs> I lose track of years myself. But I went back to my hometown to see my family. And I was walking down Main Street. And Sammy Lee came up to me. Hey, Todd, how are you? Good, Sammy. He started crying. He said, uh, Man, I'm I'm messed up. He said, Will you give me a dollar? He said, I'm, I'm probably going to go buy some wine with it. He was a town winer. It broke my heart. I asked my friend Barry, he's my connection to my hometown. Every once in a while I say, How's Sammy Lee? He's living in a box. friend's under the control of alcohol he's he he's he's broken and he, he, he he he's broken that's the plea here paul is saying i don't want you to be broken i don't want you to end up in a place god doesn't want you to be and i don't want you to be either that's god's heart guys now the other side of that and i've talked about this before uh when i was a youth minister in college In a church, Emma's Grove Baptist Church in Fairview, North Carolina. There was an old deacon there that became my friend, Julian Lanning, who would take me visiting, and he loved Jesus. And he was such an inspiration. And he would cry at the drop of a hat. And I've talked about him a lot. But as I think about him, I look forward to seeing him in heaven. And he told me, he said, Todd, I was an alcoholic that was broken. And my family was ready to kick me out. And I was worthless. And I remember just sitting on my porch and thinking, how did I get here? What am I doing? God, help me. And he said, I cried out to Jesus Christ. And he changed me. And then he started crying. Julian always cried when he talked about Jesus. You know, man, you cried too much. Why? Because he had been set free. And that's the contrast here. That's that's what he's sharing of here. And the benefits of those old ways, like I said in verse 21, it's death. Hey, man, those things result in death. There, it's it's not a it's not a place you want to go to. It may be fun now, but you keep going down that road. All it does is cause pain, and ultimately, here it says death. Turn me to uh, James chapter one, verses thirteen through fifteen. Uh, this little section of scripture that so beautifully—I don't even know if "beautifully" is the right word; it doesn't sound right—but expresses this truth well. He says, "When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me.'" For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Now look at verse 15 closely. Then after desire has conceived. You know, here, here comes a temptation flying by. You know, you grab it and say, yeah, I want you. And it's conceived, yeah. So then after uh conceived it gives birth to sin so the sin comes once you take hold of that temptation and sin when it is full grown see it gives birth to death now I want to say this clearly as we're going through this text this was not written to the unbeliever this is not written to the person without Christ he wrote this to the church at Rome uh This is to us church folk. He's saying, I want you to live an eternal life like existence. I don't want you just to exist from day to day. I want you to know my love and I want you to know my grace and I want you to experience my power and my forgiveness and I want you to live out of the wealth of who I am instead of in the misery of who you are without me. Uh, That's what he says here, guys. He, He goes on verse 22, he says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. Set apart for God. Different different course. It's not that you're trying to be holier than thou. It's just that the holy ones grabbed a hold of your heart. It leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life, you know verse twenty three so often we use it in evangelistic uh presentations and and I'm not saying that's wrong, but think about the context of this this is written to the church, this is written to God's people. The wages of sin is death, man, isn't that true? You keep going down that road, there's a price. We know that it's eternity for the one without Christ and doesn't trust him, but for the one who loves Jesus and goes down that road, there are other consequences. God says, I don't want that for you. You know, we live in an age where uh, people want to uh, focus on victimization, or, you know, you don't know what happened to me. Somehow, sin has become a crime, and now crime has become a sickness. And Listen to this song. Uh, I forgot to write down who wrote this song, but anyway, God knows. I went to my psychiatrist to be psychoanalyzed, to find out why I killed the cat and blacked my husband's eyes. He laid me on a downy couch to see what he could find. So this is what he dredged up from my subconscious mind. Hey, libido, bats in the belfry. Hey, libido bats in the belfry hey libido bats in the belfry jolly old sigmund freud when i was one my mommy hid my dolly in a trunk and so it follows that i am always a drunk when i was two i saw my father kiss the maid one day and that is why i know now why i suffer now from kleptomania yay at three i had the feeling of ambivalence towards my brothers and so it follows naturally i poisoned all my lovers But I'm happy now that I've learned the lesson this is taught that everything I do that's wrong is someone else's fault. It's not true. The fact of the matter is the Bible says that one day we will all stand before God. Um, Hebrews 9.27, it says, For it is appointed for man once to die and then to face judgment. I won't be judged about what you did. He's going to talk to me. And as he says here, Paul says, Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to do more than exist. I want you to know the fullness of what God has for you. And it is a life where you decide that your slavery is going to be to the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the only one who truly sets us free. I close uh, with two, two thoughts. Uh, first to believers. It's possible to be free. And yet choose slavery. It's possible to experience the saving eternal life that Jesus Christ has to offer. But live each day in slavery. Missing the blessing he has for you now. And I guess I plead with you as I have through the whole message. Don't do that. Whatever benefit there is now. The scripture says it leads to death. Not to life. Second message is to the unbelievers. Um, It's possible to be enslaved and yet think that you're free. Think all those nutty church people. question is though whatever else you're enslaved to is it enough to get you to heaven is it enough to help you through death let's pray Lord uh, thank you for your word God as we looked at uh, last week uh, in Luke 137 from the Amplified uh, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Lord, uh, you work, and we need it. And as we think about 2014 around the corner, Lord, we think of that question Whose slave am I? May we do a real heart test. May we do a real search and help us see, Lord, that the only master that matters is Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some who need to come to this altar. Maybe there's others who need to make a decision right where they are. Maybe there are those who need to share with the church family what you're up to in their lives, Lord. This is your time, God. And I just simply ask that we would all recognize that and uh, do whatever it is you call us to in this time to respond to you. Thank you for today, Father, for loving us. Thank you for providing a power to walk in truth. Your word says before Jesus and his sacrifice, we were slaves that were not able to. Enjoy righteousness. But because of Jesus. There's a new type of slavery. That is really freedom. So may we turn to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.